the message today. If you're taking notes, if you're a note taker because you like to learn and you like to grow in your relationship with Jesus and you believe um, that your pencil will help you remember the message better than your own memory, if you have just listened to something and be able to share it with everybody the very first time, then don't take notes today. If that is not you, you're a a note taker. The message today is hell is not for you. Hell is not for you. Um, The unfortunate reality is that every person in this room, unfortunately, will not likely be in heaven with God for eternity. It's a sad but sometimes ultimate reality. It's a sad but sometimes defining truth. And if, if you're in the room today and you're like, oh great, it's one of those messages. Listen, if you're our guest today and you have never been here before, let me just kind of give myself a disclaimer. This is the first time, the first time ever in my ministry that I have devoted an entire message to the reality of hell. But in the in the two years, and in the two years that we've almost two years that we've been here, this is the first time that I've ever really dove in at the depth that we're going to dive into today. But I, I believe that it's important, even though it's difficult. How many of you understand that sometimes the most important things are the most difficult to share? And it's not that we're not going to share them, it's that we're going to be very mindful of the heart behind how we share what God would have for us to say. See, the end in this series, we've been very intentional about helping people understand that the end is not actually the end. In fact, from heaven's perspective, death from this life is the objective that we are supposed to pass over into the next life. But the reality is this this life will be the beginning of ultimate death for some. That for some, the end really is the end. For some, the last breath was the last chance. And that's heavy. And it's hard. So I want you to hear the heart of this pastor today. Don't let this message turn you off. Don't let this be one of those, oh, I knew that they're just going to preach on hell. They're trying to scare the hell out of you, trying to scare you into heaven. They want it. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not what we're doing today. Okay? We're talking about the realities. In Luke 21, Luke chapter 21, verse 19, we've been on this for the third week now. The scripture says, by your patience, possess your soul. By your patience, possess your soul. The The understanding of this passage is that those who endure till the end shall be saved. That if we will receive salvation and remain in salvation, it is by our patience in Christ that we can possess our soul. Okay, That God's purpose is the ultimate objective. And then in verse 36, the Bible says, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. And instead of being separated from God for all eternity, you can stand before the Son of Man. Okay? So if you endure, watch this, remember this, if you endure, then you can escape. I need you to remember that because we're going to come full circle back around to that statement. Just a few passages before 
this chapter in Luke chapter 16 is where we're going today. So you can kind of flip there and you'll just be able to hang out there. This is a tough message, okay? This is not one of those like shout you down, holla back, wave your hanky kind of messages. This is one of those that it's a little bit heavy. And, and, and honestly, listen, I believe that it was heavy for Jesus to share. I, I believe that, that it was only with a heart of compassion that Jesus talked about hell. But listen, you can't talk about Jesus without talking about the things that he talked about. And Jesus talked about hell 33 times in three years of ministry. 33 times in three years of ministry, Jesus would discuss the reality of hell. By the way, 33 times in three years of ministry, that's really close to once a month. Okay? That'd be like me preaching a sermon on hell once a month for 11 months of every year. You know, in December, you preach on Christmas. You preach on the fact that he came. But, but every other month, January through November, I have at least one sermon. If I want to be like Jesus, if I want my preaching to be like Jesus' is preaching, I got to preach one message every month from January to November on the realities of hell. Listen, most of you would not want to have wanted to have gone to Jesus' church, okay? It's just the absolute reality. He spoke on it. Why did he do that? Why did he talk about that so much? Why did he talk about giving so much? Because he understood the reality. He was moved with compassion to keep people from that place. He hoped that by sharing the truth in a loving way and showing the truth through servanthood that many would be saved. Because it is the will of God, what? That none should perish, but all would come to repentance. The Bible itself speaks of hell 166 times. The Scripture speaks of hell. And yet we live in a day when many pastors, many denominations are distancing themselves from the reality and the teaching of hell. In a survey just several years back now, it's actually probably, these statistics are probably higher now, um, especially due to social media and the spread of this, I believe, heretical doctrine and heretical teaching on hell. But in, uh, in this survey, it was, it was shown that, that 35 pastors, 35 pastors from the Southern Baptist organization did not believe in the reality of hell. 54 Presbyterian pastors, 58 Methodist, 60 Episcopalian, and I'm sure that there would have been some Assembly of God guys in there somewhere who just refused or avoided the topic. 71% in this study, in eight leading seminaries, 71% of students interviewed in eight leading seminaries across the nation did not believe in hell. Listen, I, I want to make a very bold statement this morning, okay? But if you don't believe in hell, then you cannot believe in heaven. Because Scripture, the Word of God, speaks to both of those places. To deny hell is to deny heaven, and ultimately to deny those things is to deny the Word of God, which was Jesus and the Father Himself. All right, so there's, there's four <clears throat> predominant teachings. There's a lot more, but there's four kind of predominant places that you may fit in. And the first one is actually kind of broken up into A, B. 
but there's two. It would be in the atheist or agnostic category, and I'll explain that in a second. But the atheist, most of us know, is it's a person that does not believe in God. Okay, and now listen, if that's your view and you're in here today, I'm not trying to take shots at you. If you know somebody that feels that way, I'm not trying to take shots at you. But I, I want to I just state very clearly, um, I don't believe in atheist. And here's why. Because the atheist would say, I believe that there is no God and I have no faith, which is not true. Because according to the word of God, from a Christian perspective, okay, from a Christian perspective, the only reason that you have breath is because God gave it to you, all right? Now, from a secular perspective, you have faith in something. Everybody in this room, whether we believe in God or not, believes in something. It's just a matter of what we place our faith in that makes us who we are or who we are not, all right? That's number one. Number two, I don't believe in atheists because in order to be an atheist, you would have to be all-knowing. You would have to have absolute knowledge or all-knowledge. And according to science, okay, the most intelligent human being that has ever lived on the face of the earth was only able to comprehend and understand about 2% of all-knowledge, of absolute knowledge. Like Albert Einstein reached the height of 2% when it comes to the knowledge available in creation. Okay, so if you're having a conversation with someone that says they do not believe in God, the first thing that you can ask is, well, what do you believe in? And then you can point out, see, that is faith. I've just chosen to put my faith in the fact that God created something than nothing rather than the fact that nothing created something from nothing. And so I choose to believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, okay? The second point that you can make with that person is that if in order to believe that there is no God, you would have to have absolute knowledge. Is there a possibility that in the 98% of what one man or one woman can never comprehend that is available to mankind, in that 98%, is there a possibility that there is a creator God in there somewhere? And most of the time, you can convince in that conversation just with that point. So what would happen then is that that person would have to say, okay, well, I'm agnostic, which means I don't know. Like, I, there could be a God, but I'm not really sure. Listen, let me, let me tell you, as a caution, okay, again, this is not me going, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm going to heaven, you're going to hell. That's not what this is about, okay? But the Bible says clearly, in Psalm 58 that only a fool would say in his heart that there is no God. Okay, so if we believe there is a God then you'd fit into one of these next three categories if you don't preach on the doctrine of hell as I believe Jesus preached. You would be an annihilationist. Okay? So you're the atheist, agnostic or an annihilationist. And that means you can go to heaven but if you don't go to heaven, you just cease to exist. You're just annihilated, okay? But Matthew 10, verse 28, actually says, Do not fear the one that can destroy the body, but the one that can destroy both the, the body and the soul in 
hell. Okay? See, according to Scripture, you can't believe in an annihilationist point of view. The next thing that you would be is maybe an ultimate reconciliationist. Okay? That hell really only exists as a place of purifying if you have not been purified in this life. That either everyone goes to heaven all at once, or if you go to hell, it's only to be uh, refined and purified for a season, and then ultimately everybody ends up. And I don't know why they believe in that. I don't know what makes them believe. I'm just telling you it's something that's out there. And then the finalist is a, a finalist, <laughs> a final one is a universalist, which they just believe everyone makes it. Okay? Everybody, everybody makes it. The Bible says Jesus died once and for all, so everybody makes it. And friend, listen, I don't have time to go through the scriptures that, that illustrate over and over and over again that everyone will not make it. That, that you cannot believe in Jesus and believe this doctrine. So I want to take you to a story this morning that Jesus told in Luke chapter 16. Okay, Often Jesus would speak in, in parables. Or, or in stories. Okay, that's why I don't have a hard time. I don't have a problem like telling stories on Sunday morning. I know that all the theologians in the room, they want me to just give a hermeneutical breakdown of Scripture from an exegetical standpoint every Sunday morning. I get that, okay? But, but for the rest of us, I like stories like, that illustrate my point. And Jesus would illustrate his point with people by telling stories. We call those parables. And then sometimes he would speak in a simile. Uh, he would use like or as. At, you know, like a or as a. He would use that as kind of like a metaphor, an example. I don't believe that this story in Luke chapter 16 is either one of those. I believe that Jesus is telling a true story of real people in a real place or in real places. So Luke chapter 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man. See, he wasn't just any rich man. He was a certain rich man. He was a, 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 a real guy that had a lot of stuff, and that's where he put his faith in his substance. Who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously, whatever that means, every day. Verse 20. And there was a certain beggar, all right, named Lazarus. Okay, so that's why for me, right here, this is not like a parable. This is not an example. Okay, this is not just a story that he's telling to illustrate a point. This is a certain rich man and a certain beggar with a name. And this is not the same Lazarus that he raised from the dead, by the way. Certain name, Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at the gate. Verse 21 he desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Verse 22. So it was that the beggar died. And by the way, let me just, just insert this. This is not a justification to not labor for a living. Okay, this scripture. There was something significantly wrong with this individual that caused him to not work, to not have a job 
to not go and be productive in society, okay? And if you have that, then that's, that's more what this is talking to. But it's not talking about an able-bodied individual that just chooses not to work. I, just, I, I really need to put that in there because I want you to be inspired to be productive because God created you to be that way, all right? Verse 22, so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels. Man, I look forward to that. Right? I just want to go to sleep at night and wake up in an angel's arms. Like, <laughs> sup, bro? Thanks, man. Really needed you to help me out there. On the way up, carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, the rich man also died but was buried. Okay. Now, verse 23, being in torments. I want you to remember that word. You can like circle it with a red highlighter and draw crazy, scary things to it in your Bible. Being in torments in Hades, or the holding place, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Verse 24, then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented. Again, there it is, in this flame. Verse 25, but Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime, in your lifetime, you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And by the way, again, it's not that the scripture has anything wrong with people having nice things. But the scripture does have a problem with people finding their substance in their stuff. Okay? Verse 26. And besides all this... Between you, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to there cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. 27, then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. Like, send him to the people that I love. For I have five brothers, and he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place, there it is again, of torment. Verse 29, Abraham said to him, said to him They have Moses and the prophets. They have the word of God. Let them hear. That's why Jesus would go everywhere he went. He would say, let him who has ears to hear, hear. He would, he would call out and say, listen, if you're listening to this right now, I need, you to, I need you to perk up. You can sleep later this afternoon. I need you to listen to what's coming from this place so that you can make an adjustment in your life that will make a difference in your eternity. Verse 30, he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead... They will repent. And Jesus, remember, Jesus is telling this story. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the... If they don't listen to the Old Testament, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. By the way, that's what we stake our faith upon, is that Jesus was resurrected from the grave. And in that conversation, there is no explanation for the Roman government never producing the body of the man named Jesus of Nazareth except for the fact that the Son of God burst forth from the grave on the third day revealed himself to 500 people ascended back to his throne and now sits at the right hand of the Father intercessing for everyone in this room that is listening to this sermon today I want to tell you the message from a rich man in hell number one I want you to notice the absence of comfort, okay? You know what? I, I just I want to take just a second. This is going to get heavy. I want you to pray with me. Father, I just pray right now 
that you would help us to hear, open up our hearts to, to receive right now our minds to understand. Lord, I just pray that a spirit of grace and mercy would fill this room, but that a Holy Spirit's convicting power that draws men and women into his presence to receive salvation and give their lives back to the God that created them would also fill this place. Help us to hear from you right now in Jesus' name. Number one, the absence of comfort. So I want to give you some characteristics of hell if you're taking notes. A sub-point A here is that in hell, there is absolute darkness. Absolute darkness. Matthew 22, verse 13. Matthew 22, 13. The king said to his aides, Bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is a place of absolute darkness. I've, I've actually heard this said, and I, I may be the only one because I shared this with my wife. She's like, I've never heard that before in my life. And I was like, okay, well, maybe you're the only one. I don't know. Maybe we're, there's like a mixed crowd this morning. But I've actually heard people say in the past, okay, I, I want to go to hell because that's where all my friends will be. But I, I want to... That's, that's where the party's going to be. That's where all the fun people are going to be. Okay, but the only problem with that is that you're not going to be able to see any of those people for all eternity because hell is a place of absolute darkness. Well, Chris, where do you get that from? 1 John 1, 5 says, God is light. And where there is light, there is no darkness. Well, if that's true, then so is the opposite. That where there is darkness, there is no light. So hell, for all eternity, is a place of utter, outer, and absolute darkness because God is not there and neither is His light. Subpoint B, hell is a place of excruciating heat. Excruciating heat. Revelation 21 verse 8 says, But cowards, unbelievers... Okay, listen, this is Scripture talking. This is not me. Unbelievers... And by the way, if you're sitting in the room today and you say, man, I believe, okay, hang on. I just want to make sure that you understand that there's a difference between agreeing with something and believing in something. If you agree with something, you go, oh, yeah, well, that, that's a great point, pastor. Great point, preacher man. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. But to believe in something is to place your existence upon it. To step off into it and say, hey, what you're doing, I'm doing it too. I'm going to believe in this. I'm going to put my faith, my trust, my being, my substance. Come on, somebody. Everything that I have, I'm going to place it in Jesus because I believe in Him. Okay, so cowards, unbelievers, corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft. And by the way, um, just for all of those that would pat themselves on the back and say, I've never practiced witchcraft. I burn Ouija boards. I don't even watch scary movies. Okay, good for you. Hang on. Because in the book of Samuel, the Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. And disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft. So before the church pats itself on the back today, I need us all to remember, myself included, okay, I, I'm not... Uh, um, whatever this is, this could be like kryptonite too okay that disobedience is the same as witchcraft so if you've ever been disobedient to God in any way <laughs> Bible said it not me idol worshipers all liars their fate is in the watch this fiery lake of burning sulfur 
And this is the second death. You remember how I told you that, that the body um, would reunite in the air with the soul and the spirit and then that we would be redeemed, reformed, restored as we were created to be with Jesus forever? Okay, well, the same thing is going to happen okay, to all of those who are in hell or Hades, the holding place. They're going to come to the great white throne judgment and then at that great white throne judgment where we watch all of those who were not believers, okay, who did not put their faith, their trust, give Jesus their lives back, okay? We're going to watch them be cast into, into an eternal lake of fire. And that's why the Bible says this is the second death. Because the first one was when it was appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay, And then that person goes and, and is put into hell, the holding place, and then taken back up to the great white throne judgment where it meets its old, dilapidated, corrupted body, stands before God, and is then cast into an eternal lake of fiery, burning sulfur. Look, I'm... Whoo, Yay, thank you. I'm so glad you brought me to church today, friend. You must love me so much. I know it's, it's heavy, but it's reality. Okay? Um, you can just Google search this if you want to. One of the things I find interesting about, about fire and brimstone or, or fire and burning sulfur is that it's actually used um, in, where they, in the greenhouses where they grow marijuana. They will burn sulfur. I know. Like you can go Google this on your own. It's, it's on the internet. It's true. Okay. So you can go. You go. There's actually a forum, okay, where they're discussing how to do this the right way. Because when you burn sulfur in the room and it produces actually this smoke or this whatever comes from that that will settle down onto the leaves and it actually kills all the mold and the mildew off of the plants that they don't want on those marijuana plants. The only problem is, is that if, if you inhale it too much, it will begin to burn your nostrils and your nasal passages, go down into your esophagus and begin to burn your throat, okay? Because you're breathing in something that you weren't created to breathe in. Because hell is a place that you weren't created to be in. And what's going to happen there is there's going to be burning sulfur day and night. And there's no emergency room for you to go flush out your system. You just stay in that place of absolute darkness where burning sulfur is consuming you from the inside out. And there's no relief. What's also interesting about sulfur is that it can burn up to about 400 degrees Fahrenheit. 400 degrees, not 100, not 2, not 3, but 400 degrees Fahrenheit. In fact, it's boiling point. It's not like water at 200 degrees, okay? But the boiling point of sulfur is actually not until 800 degrees Fahrenheit, okay? So you take boiling water and you multiply it times 4 and put it in the air, and that's the heat of what an individual is experiencing separated from God for all eternity, when combined, this is interesting to me as well, is sulfur is actually what comes out of the lava, of the core of a volcano. Okay? And when that volcanic ash goes into the air, that burning sulfur goes into the air and it meets with water and air, it produces sulfuric acid, which is acid rain, which is obviously toxic. Mark chapter 9, verse 44 says... This is a place where the worm never dies. 
and the fire, burning sulfur fire at 400 plus degrees Fahrenheit with toxins that burn you from the inside out. The fire is never quenched. It's never quenched. It never goes away. There's, there's no relief. Hell is a place of another subpoint unsatisfied desires unsatisfied desires by the way as you're writing that down I just want to make sure that you understand I'm not just making this up because I researched it according to science the Bible actually calls hell a place of fire 32 times and just because I stake my doctrine on this one man Jesus called hell a place of fire 19 times unquenchable, everlasting, eternal, lake of, furnace of, or place of fire. It's a place of unsatisfied desires. That means that the adulterer will never be satisfied. It means that the drug addict will fiend for all eternity. The porn addict will experience that desire and never again be gratified. Okay? Um, the alcoholic will be on a binge with no way to make that work ever again. No way to fulfill it for all eternity. Listen, even the rich man will still have all the desires of earth unfulfilled for all eternity. Revelation chapter 9 verse 2 says that hell is a place that is a bottomless pit. Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet and I saw a star that had fallen to earth from the sky and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit verse 2 when he opened it smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace and the sunlight and air turned dark from the smoke it's a bottomless pit it's a place where I don't know if you have you ever experienced um, there's just no stability there's no substance there you know like when you're falling asleep <laughs> come on we've all done it and you're like uh, you know as I'm talking I, I when I was playing baseball and I was an athlete at one point in life, and now I'm just, eh. and so, um, but at that season of life, we would hit so many baseballs, like in the cage, on the field, off the tee, that I stopped falling and I started swinging. I would be halfway through, like going into the sleep, like right there about to hit my rim stage, which is what we're all looking for, right? And a baseball would fly at me and I'd be like, Wah! and I'd swing. One time I punched Megan, I'm talking about punched her in the back hard, kaboom, I Busted her. I didn't have my ring on, thank God. But I popped her and she jumped up. She's like, Ah, what is wrong with you? And I laid there and acted like I was asleep. I was like, I didn't move, man. I knew that the wrath of God had filled that woman and I was not going to endure that wrath in that moment. But listen, <laughs> okay, hell is a bottomless pit. Okay, so you're you're falling for eternity. There's, it would be like being a claustrophobic and being surrounded but then also having that fear of heights and falling and just never, never touching ground or stability again because what? The Bible says that Jesus is the firm foundation and so where Jesus is not there is no foundation. Hell is a place of no rest, Revelation 14, 11. The smoke of their torment, Revelation 14, 11, the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. You see that smoke, that burning sulfur. And they will have no relief, no relief, day or night. You will never rest again. 
that anxiety, depression, fear, worry, if you think it's bad here, then just imagine if you remove Jesus from the equation completely. You take the Holy Spirit completely out and you're in that place that was created for the devil and his angels. And for eternity you have no rest and no relief day or night for they have worshipped the beast. Well, you would say, I don't worship Jesus. I don't worship the beast. I don't worship the statue. I haven't accepted the mark. But friend, look, Jesus said clearly, um, if you're not for me, then you're against me. And so to not worship Jesus, that's why, listen, listen, hear my heart, men, women and children alike, but especially men. That's why I believe it's so important that we show the next generation how to worship. I believe that it's so important that we show the next generation that it's not just a feminine thing. It's not just a young man thing. It's a man of God thing to come and bring praise in the sanctuary of our Father. It's a grown man thing to clap your hands. It's a grown man thing to lift your hands in complete surrender before creator God it's a grown man thing to bow down and cry it's a grown man thing in fact it's when you look the most like Jesus that you would take a towel and serve somebody else in his name it's not a child thing it's not a baby thing it ain't a female thing it's a grown man thing to stand in the presence of the king and say I surrender all to you I surrender it's not just women and children but that's why it's so hard for a man. Because in order to do that, we have to lay down our pride. We have to lay down our own confidence. Luke 16, 24. The rich man, the Bible says, cried. See, Listen, listen, I'm not saying that you have to be this way, okay? I've never cried and I'm saved. Okay, hang on. I'm with you. And we need those people that aren't emotional roller coasters. <laughs> Some of us really need you, okay? But I, I truly believe that, that we can either cry in brokenness and repentance here before an almighty, all-knowing, all-sufficient God. Or we can spend eternity in tears knowing that we could have. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may just dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. This is a torment. Do you saw that word as we read that passage four different times? And in the original language of which it was written... This word in this passage has three different meanings. The first meaning is an acute pain, an acute pain of torment from like a dilapidating disease. This is what the rich man is experiencing. The next thing is that in their culture, they had this thing called the rack of torture where you would just be stretched and pulled and, and, and torn apart. And, and they called this rack of torture torment and it's that word that the rich man uses to describe his experience in hell 
And then the final word for torture that is used is like a, a fire that is so hot that it can melt metal. It could be burning sulfur. Do you know the hottest flame is not the big red, the big orange flame. You know, many of you know this. The hottest place in the fire is the blue. If you can go watch on a YouTube video this afternoon, somebody burns sulfur, there is no red flame. There is no orange flame. There is smoke and blue fire. It's a place of torture. No hope. No hope. Why do you say that? Because in the very next verse in 25 and 26, he says, there's a great divide. And those who want to come here from where you are cannot. Even though God himself wants to leave his throne and come to where you are, he cannot. There is no other chance. Listen, friend, listen. Our last breath in this life was our last chance in the next. You only exist with regret in this eternal place separated from God. And you know, listen, you know all I had to do is follow Jesus. All I had to do was believe in Him. Matthew 25, 41. We read this last week. Matthew 25, 41. The king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Now that doesn't sound very good, but I want to tell you something today. We're going to shift gears here. Listen to me. Okay, don't bug out right now because you're, you're about to miss the best part. That scripture right there is actually the best news that I've read all day. Because I want you to listen. I want you to hear this. Understand that Jesus did not prepare hell for you. But he is preparing heaven for you. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 5 that hell had to be expanded. It wasn't created for the sons and the daughters of God. It wasn't created for mankind. It was created according to scripture for the devil and his angels. But in Isaiah chapter 5, the prophet says, hell had to be expanded. And the reason for that expansion, hell had to be enlarged because of all of the people that were choosing themselves and Lucifer's will for their lives over God and his will for their lives. This is the final point today. You can see this in the rich man's testimony. And you can see it in Jesus' warning. There is what we should leave with today to be an expression of concern. That's why Jesus preached on this 33 times in three years. Because he was concerned that no one would have to experience not just the punishment of hell. Okay, listen. He was concerned that no one would have to experience a life without him. That's why he came. It's why he paid for what he paid for. But the lesson that we learned from this rich man, remember he asked uh, Abraham, please just send me to my family. 
In other words, like he was consumed not just by his torment, but he was consumed by the people that he loved. He wanted them to know that he was in this place. Look, you can bring me right back. Like you can put me back in here. But please go tell my children. Please go tell my wife. Please go tell my family. I was wrong. I messed it up. And for eternity, he's going to sit there and wish and wonder, man, I, I hope I hope somebody from New Hope has gone and told them the truth. I hope that somebody is letting them know. I hope that somebody will share the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ with them so that they don't have to come to this place. I hope that at Christmas, they won't just buy gifts for their own people, but they will find a way to be moved with compassion to serve somebody that's not currently a part of their family I hope at Easter that it will be more than just another year go by where the church is packed but that they would be influenced and empowered to go out and to be a witness to keep this place as empty as possible he was concerned for the people who were still alive and who still had a chance We've got to become concerned with more than just the cares of our own lives, but the people that God has put in our path. Because Jesus was concerned. I told you that hell was not a place that was prepared for you. Hell was not for you. It's the first thing I said today. Jesus did not prepare hell for you. But he did prepare heaven for you. John chapter 14, verse 2. And this is good news today. In fact, look, just wake the person up next to you say, Hey, he's got good news. Now wake your second choice person up on the other side of you. Hey, he's got good news. It's not all hell and heaviness. There's some good news to this story. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 2, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Believe in God and believe also in me. And then you don't have to carry the weight of something that wasn't created for you. Verse 2, There is more than enough room in my Father's house. If this were not so... Would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, come on somebody, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. You know the way. It's inside of you. You can feel it right now. It's, it, you were created with the instinct to acknowledge what Jesus is saying in this passage. And Thomas, just like the old church people, what do you mean? Why are we doing that? Why are they sitting in my seat? All these word songs on the screen. I just want my church back. To hell with that. We are winning the community. We are giving the gospel to the people that need it. You should get out of your seat for them. You should prepare a place for them because you know that Jesus is preparing a place 
for you. You know where that came from? It ain't from heaven. God's will is that you would be able to walk into this place and know that it was prepared for you. That you would be able to sit down in that chair and know that everything was prayed for and prophesied over. That you are a part of God's will for this area. That's what you are. Thomas. So glad my pants didn't just rip. Verse 5. We don't know. No, we don't know. Here you go again. What you're saying doesn't make any sense. Thomas said, we have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? What are you doing, preacher? Where are we going? Don't worry about it. You just know that we're following Jesus as a, as a staff and as a church. And I can promise you that as long as we put our feet where his feet have already been, he will never lead us astray. In verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way. I am the way. That's all you need to know. You don't have to know the details of your tomorrow. You don't have to know the specifics of your call. But you've got to know Jesus. It doesn't matter what you think, what you've thought, where you've been, or where, you've go where you're going. If it's not prepared by Him, it doesn't lead to anything. But when it does, there's eternity prepared for you on the other side that you can discover, that you can walk in, that you can experience beginning today if you will just confess and believe in your heart that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Hell was not prepared for you, but heaven was. No one can come to the Father except through me. Last phrase. You ready? I want you to write it down. Or at least like take out your phone and like take a picture of something I didn't put in the notes until this morning. You ready? <laughs> can y'all throw it in? Jesus endured. So that we could escape. You remember when he was on the cross? You remember when he was in the garden? He said, God, not my will, but thine. Hang on, whoa, whoa. What was God's will? That none would perish. And that all would come to repentance. So Jesus said, I'll go through hell and back if that's what it takes listen to me listen my wife loves this and it's so powerful God will not send you to hell he will let you go there but his famous word is that you will have to step over the dead body of my son in order to get to a place that I didn't create you for Jesus said take me Eloi Eloi my God why why have you forsaken me every single sin from every single person in this room was poured out upon Jesus the punishment of everything that I read that every one of us should experience because of the one sin of disobedience 
was paid for in an instant. He endured so that we can escape. And his last words were the beginning of the most beautiful life. It is finished. Devil, you have no right to my relationship with them. Father, I pray that you would help us in this place today. That no one in this room would leave here without being restored to you. Without relationship being made right in you. If you could, just don't no stir, don't stir and get your stuff together. We're gonna give you a chance to leave in just a minute. This is really important. Everything that we've done today has led up to this moment. If you are in this room right now, nobody looking around. If you are in this room right now, and you would say, Chris, I just don't know. And I want to make sure that I've given my life to Jesus. I want to receive salvation today. I understand that He endured the cross so that I could escape the punishment. If I'm talking to you and you would be willing just to be included in a prayer that we're all going to pray in just a minute, I want you to raise your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Praise God. Come on. Don't leave this place. I see you, brother. Thank you. I see you, ma'am. Thank you. I just want to be included in the prayer. I just want to receive what Jesus purchased for me. Anybody else? Thank you. Church, let me ask you a question today. Have you been sharing life with people? Not just warning them of the punishment of their sin, but sharing the life that was purchased for them. Today, if if you've been convicted and challenged and you would like to make an adjustment to just make sure that, that you're more mindful of the voice of the Holy Spirit when He puts somebody in your path, that you would like to increase your commitment to sharing the life of the gospel so that more people can miss that place called hell that was not prepared for them, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm with you. I've got to increase. I see you. I see you. Hands going up all over the room. Come on, church. Would you pray this prayer with me? Everybody. The, the, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I want you to pray this with all of your heart. Pray this prayer out loud with me. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Take my life. Make it yours. I believe in you and your will for my life I will follow you with all of my heart I will listen when you speak and I will obey your word in Jesus name 
Come on, right where you are. Could you just celebrate with all of heaven? We just had about 20 people raise their hand for salvation. Could you?